Lane for the touchdown. Jackpot, baby. Josh Jacobs. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. Always exciting to play at home. We all want to play at home, and this is an unbelievable venue to play at. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. On a personal level for me, I just we can't wait to get to the game day, right? We can't wait to get on the grass. JT The Brick. Cars up underneath James. Going to fire quickly. Jackpot, baby. Touchdown, Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Welcome back, JT, with you. Hour number two, the aftermath of the glory of the Raider victory against the Los Angeles Chargers yesterday sends the Raiders to the playoffs this upcoming Saturday against the Cincinnati Bengals. And the Raiders are in the playoffs for the first time since 2016 and have an opportunity to do something special here, continue to do something special. We're celebrating the victory today, uh, going over some of the big highlights of the game, uh, what it meant to be in the building for that historic moment. You know, I've been known to exaggerate. I've never lied to you once. I like to exaggerate and get excited, and I'll own that. But I'll tell you this, this team, this team's resilient. This fan base is resilient. The season ticket holders, everybody in Vegas who was here, and then the great fans of Oakland, the East Bay, Los Angeles, all over the global Raider Nation that had the opportunity to go to the game. You won't regret that. Uh, that'll, that'll go down in history as one of the great Raider games of all time, regular season. All time. And it happened in Vegas after one of the most difficult seasons in Raiders history. So all of that combined makes for a very unique story on what this season was all about. I told you, someone's going to do a 30 for 30 or documentary on this season. The writers are probably doing that as we speak, trying to get their head wrapped around everything that happened here. But now they have to win. You know, you get to the playoffs. If you don't win a playoff game, then you got to the playoffs and you don't have a playoff win. Is it a big difference? Well, for this team it is because they needed to get to the playoffs. They needed to get that semi-gorilla off their back. Since 2016, it was big for Carr. It's big for Jacobs. But I think more importantly, it's big to knock the Chargers out of any playoff opportunity. I can't believe how the Steelers got in. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger, that's a very unique story. How Ben Roethlisberger came through and won that Monday night game and then won. You know, Ben Roethlisberger had to beat the Browns and the Ravens to get into the playoffs, and he was able to do that. So I was very impressed with that. So all of this is coming together, and how do you want to handle that as a Raider fan? How do you want to handle that as a Raider fan going forward? Because you got to win a playoff game, and they got a puncher's chance. They'll be an underdog in every game they play. They're an underdog at home to the Chargers. I expect them to be an underdog, an underdog the rest of the way. But this team was able to win, and they were able to win as an underdog several games down the stretch, and it's a rematch game against Cincinnati. I'm really happy that they're playing Cincinnati as I bring in Harry Ruiz, the Spanish voice of the silver and black. And Harry, uh, before we get to the game, I just wanted to mention with Cincinnati, it's a team they saw recently, recently. So that's got to help in the preparation for this playoff game, you would think. Yes, absolutely, JT. Thanks for having me on once again. And you were talking about the Raiders being underdogs and why I don't know, but when they're underdogs, and I've been looking at the casino numbers all season long, and they're seven point dogs right now against Cincinnati, they seem to go out with 
way more hunger than when they do when they're favorites so i'm not against the raiders being underdogs right now because this season it's been a crazy year in the nfl it's the longest season the league has ever had and the raiders they're in a spot right now where they can keep fighting and i see fight out of this team a lot of people thought they were out four weeks ago a month ago if you had told anybody the raiders are going to be in the playoffs they would tell you you're crazy now they're in it so they're in a great spot jt because they're in all right, you called the game, and just walk me through the second half. Let's get the ugly out of the way, the good, the bad, and the ugly. The fourth down conversions, where everybody in the building knew that he'd have to throw to the sticks on for a fourth down, long for fourth downs, especially the touchdown. What was up with the Raider breakdown? They had seven guys in the end zone on one of those touchdowns, and they couldn't get a finger on it to knock it down. I, I tip my cap to Herbert, but what was the breakdown with the scheme there? And you even go back to those plays right before the touchdown at the end of the game, JT, where they had like 20 seconds and you were thinking, okay, they got to throw it to the end zone right now. They ain't got no touchdowns. One ball was thrown out of the field. One ball was thrown to uh, either Cook or Williams 10 yards short of the end zone. And he intelligently just let the ball go out of the field because it would have ended the game. And then with five seconds left, you know where the ball was going and you were still able to do it. The Raiders secondary, they were playing a little bit too soft, in my opinion. They had to be closer right there and they weren't able to take care of business. And they it was the first good quarterback that the Raiders have faced in the last month and you noticed it in the key times but at the same time you look at the numbers JT from Justin Herbert yeah he almost threw for 400 yards he had those three touchdowns but he completed barely over 50 percent of his passes Mm -hmm. so there were good moments but there were bad moments as well for the secondary that's great analysis as you called the game Harry Ruiz is our guest the Latino voice of the silver and black and you know, they got him off the field when they needed to a few times. Deflected, dropped balls by Keenan Allen. Uh, big plays where the Raiders had a tackle in space. I just, I don't know if it was more of a prevent defense on that touchdown where it was fourth and 21 or 23, and they scored in the end zone there, and they only rushed three. I just thought they had to get more pressure on Justin Herbert. What do you think of the D-line from Phylon to Max to Ngakwe, who was close all day? And everybody was cramping up at the end of the game. That, to me, was an heroic effort from the pass rush there. They had to be drained. That was huge. Max Crosby said it after the game. He was like, I don't know how many plays somebody said a little bit over 90, and that's not supposed to happen. But, hey, we got to be there on the field whenever we can. And Crosby had a huge game, of course. Two sacks, but those numbers that don't show up on the stat sheet unless you go to Pro Football Focus with the pressures. He was on Justin Herbert all night long he didn't let him breathe as he would normally do so I loved what I saw from Max Crosby Darius Phylon since he came back from the injured reserve he's been great for this offense for this defense sorry you saw what they did on fourth and one I don't get it Uh, honestly I wouldn't even go on it on fourth and one for my 18 yard line in Madden JT Brandon Staley did it in a football game and the Raiders stopped them I know they converted a total of six fourth downs, but at least on that fourth and one, that defensive line showed that they are hungry, that they knew that that run was coming and they were going to be able to stop it despite the Chargers investing so much money, so much draft uh, of their resources in the draft on the offensive line. They beat them. They got to Austin Eckler, who's an elite running back in this league, and I'm proud of this defensive line, especially comparing it to what we've seen from this Raiders D-line, that they have pieces, but not a whole unit. Right now, as Rod Marinelli says, 
four equals one. It's four guys, and it doesn't matter who gets the sack or who gets the tackle for loss as long as the team gets it. Harry Ruiz is our guest, our teammate here at Lotus Broadcasting and the Spanish voice of the silver and black. I want to get to the offensive line, which is vastly improved in run blocking, and Josh Jacobs now has confidence running behind them. There's still plays where they get stuffed at the line of scrimmage. There are still obvious run up the middle after big plays that I shake my head. I don't understand why they don't, you know, they pick up 30 yards on a pass. They just don't throw again. They kind of give away downs. But now a lot of plays where they're handing the ball up the middle, and I think they're giving up on a down. Josh is getting eight yards, seven yards here, and it's making a difference, still getting them to third and short. What improvements have you seen with the running game the last few weeks? JT, that's the key to win games. The Raiders are undefeated every game where they run over 80 yards this season. The Raiders are 8-2 and two every time they score touchdowns on the ground this season. The running game, if you're able to establish it, you'll be able to put this team in a better position to win games. And I was talking about it on the broadcast. I know a lot of people are desperate at times when they see the team running it on first or second down and not getting any yardage. What I was saying is, like, you got to tire down that defensive line. you got to tire down that unit, and you know that eventually Eventually, Jacobs is going to start getting those big yardage plays in either third or the fourth quarter or even like in this overtime back-to-back runs where he had a total of 46 yards between them and put the Raiders in scoring in the scoring position with the field goal. Josh Jacobs, I know a lot of people were down on him this season. He's showing up at the best moment right now, and it's not a coincidence. It's when the offensive line is playing their better football this year. Why? Because they got confidence, because they're growing as a unit, and they're doing, they are getting the experience that they didn't have in week one, two, or three. Harry Ruiz joins us, the Latino voice of the silver and black. Let's go to Carlson and what happened at the end of the game. So there's a lot of conspiracy theories that the Raiders would have taken the tie. I think the Raiders would have taken the tie if they were at midfield or if they couldn't get anything going. Of course they would have taken the tie. They weren't going to punt the ball and give it back to Justin Herbert to win on a late field goal because he can make any throw there. So I've always said if they have any chance for Carlson to kick, and it could have been a 60-yarder, 59-yarder, he was always going to kick. And I think some people around the league are buying into this conspiracy hmm. theory that both teams – we're just going to take a knee and play. That's ridiculous. It would have ruined. It would have ruined the day for me and the night. If we would have walked out of there with a tie and the Chargers were in the playoffs because the Raiders had a chance to take a shot in the end zone, a chance for a flag to get the ball and give Carlson the ability to win. How'd you see that? Because there's a lot of confusion around the NFL today. Yeah, a lot of people are saying that that timeout by Brandon Staley changed everything. I'm like, well, you saw it was Derek Carr wasn't going to take a knee right there. He was in a shotgun position. Colton Miller, the way you saw him on the offensive line, you knew it was a running play. They were going to run the ball, and they were potentially going to try a field goal. And at the end of the day, what happened? Jacobs got the first down and got the the score. Honestly, I think those people that are saying that the Raiders were going to get the tie, they're not thinking right. At least in our in our point of view, it's like okay, worst case scenario, we're in with a tie. But we're that's the worst case scenario. The Raiders were always thinking about winning this game, like you said. If, like for example, that third and eight that they converted with the eleven yard pass with Zay Jones, that play was huge right before the two minute warning at the overtime at the over at the extra period. That play made the Raiders be in the spot where they were in control of that of the rest of that match. So it was a huge play for the Raiders. They weren't going for the tie. People who were thinking that are crazy. 
Yeah, it's interesting how the Raiders handle the clock. I think Basachi does a really good job of managing down and distance, communicating. I thought Coach Gruden did the same thing. You know, you're a head coach in this league, an interim coach, head coach. You've been doing it a year. You do it a long time. You've got to be able to handle down and distance timeouts and letting your coaches, everybody being on the same page. And, Harry, I really believe that that's been the strength of Basaccia. The fact that he's always in control, there's no panic, everything is calm, everybody's talking and communicating well, and there's never a problem with effort on this team. Talk about the head coach and what you've seen from him. And you know what, JT? A lot of people like new head coaches that are coming into the league, like Brandon Staley, that take decisions of, you know what, we're going for it on fourth down, we're risking it. Our analytics department says it's what you got to do. I prefer, honestly, a conservative head coach, and that's what I've seen from Rich Bisaccia, who's like, all right, we got the points right there with the field goal. Grab them. Don't force it unless you need it. Against Indianapolis, they needed that touchdown. They knew that the Colts could run the ball and keep the possession for eight minutes if they wanted to. He knew he needed a touchdown. He went for it on fourth down. He got the touchdown. But in a game where he knows that three points can end up being the difference in a game, they get them. What happened after the they forced the 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 fumble against the special teams? They got their touchdown. But the earlier they went and got three points in the opening drive, even even though it was in the red zone. It hurts only getting three, but at the same time, I rather have three over zero and go on ahead with it. So Rich Bisaccia, he's done a great job with this team since taking over seven wins in the. When he t- since he took over. Bisaccia deserves a lot of credit for this Raiders football team in the second half. Absolutely. Uh, finally, with Harry Ruiz, Waller's got to get going now. Uh, I thought that he had a lot of burst early, but you know he dropped the ball. He wasn't a big target. I was surprised by that. Renfro wasn't a big target also. I think that Derek's starting to want to find Josh in the flat, and he's also very interested in connecting with Zay Jones. What happened to Deshaun Jackson, from your opinion, and Waller? Because those two guys got to show up in Cincinnati. Actually, JT, I was just watching the Waller, uh, sorry, the Deshaun Jackson videos from the locker room, the celebration. I was like, wait, Jackson was pretty quiet. He didn't do much in this game. He didn't have that connection going with DC. And in my opinion, why did Renfro not have as many targets, as many catches? But Because D.C. tried to connect with Darren Waller and it wasn't happening. And there were some plays where it was Waller's situation of not being on the field for nearly a month and a half, that he hadn't been in a game situation in nearly six weeks. So that hurts. He hasn't been practicing much. He was limited all week long. And it, with walkthroughs, it's not the same as a game situation. So Waller, I just hope it's like a situation where he can come back and start feeling better every day that he's on the field and hopefully during practice this week that changes and Deshaun Jackson I just hope it was an off game where the the connection between him and DC wasn't happening and that it happens coming up because the Raiders need as much production as they need against a high power team offensively as the Bengals. Harry you're real connected with the Raider Nation you're at the Black Hole event at the Tropicana you talk to these fans all the time they interact on your show What did that win mean to the city of Las Vegas as we try to build and bridge a culture 
from Oakland and L.A. to Vegas. It's huge, JT. I knew of a lot of a lot of people that that were selling their tickets during the season. They didn't sell them for this game, and they went and enjoyed the game and said it was the best experience they've ever had at a sporting event. And, of course, it was the best game of the regular season in the NFL. The last one had to be this way. And the Raider Nation is excited, JT. At the beginning, or, well, I was following social media during the fourth quarter in overtime, and they were like, oh, my God, of course this is going to happen. They were pessimistic because the Chargers were coming back. I'm like, hey, be patient. Let the game run its course and let's see what happens. And there you go. It worked for the Raiders. They got the dub. And now they're in the playoffs. And all I say is enjoy the moment, Raider Nation. It's been five years. We haven't won a playoff game since 2002. And right now we have a chance at doing it. So enjoy the moment. Yeah, I agree. Enjoy the moment. Take advantage of the format and have a great time this week. Bonus football, but as you said, haven't won, a play, haven't won a playoff game in a long time. They have to get it done. Harry, as always, appreciate you coming on. We'll do it again next Monday. Mucho gusto, JT. Un placer. Mucho gusto. Harry Ruiz, the Latino voice of the silver and black. He's always buttoned up, looks good. Eric Allen sits behind him during his broadcast, and we come in and watch him. He's very passionate, very good at his job. Really appreciate him. It was a nice addition to add Harry to the show every Monday to kind of paint a picture and talk about the flavor of the game and how he saw it from calling the game. 702-365-9200, NFL Hall of Fame legend Don Maynard has passed away, uh, one of the great wide receivers of all time, the New York Jet legend, and a lot of people have a heavy heart today. I've interviewed him a number of times. I've seen him at the Hall of Fame with his cowboy boots. His career was fantastic. Pro Football Hall of Fame just tweeted out an hour ago, We reflect on the career of Hall of Famer Don Maynard. He was a resilient man on and off the field and someone that his teammates could always count on. Absolutely true. Uh, Raiders had a big rivalry with Don Maynard, and he got the best of them in a big championship game on the way to the Super Bowl. A Raider fan should know who Don Maynard is and keep him in your thoughts tonight. A great, legendary player in this league. Uh, Allen in Vegas, you're up next. Thanks for waiting, Allen. Go ahead. Hey, what's up, JT? Um, I'll try to keep it short as I only have one phone call worth of So I thought I'd call you. Thank um, you. A, a couple takeaways that I want to bring up. That 23-yard run by Richard on third and 23, that was just incredible. You know, if I had no doubt that we would win, but that play just confirmed that, you know what, this team is not going to go away. They're just going to keep fighting. And it was just an incredible sight last night to see all the fans, all the people in the tailgate of the parking lots were full. It was a, it was a beautiful experience. Uh, one thing I want to share with you is that I was in section 104. There was a mm-hmm. father and son sitting in front of me in the first row above the tunnel where the charges come out. And this kid was so energetic. He was yelling, and he was celebrating hard when the Raiders won. And I asked that kid – how old he was, and he said he was 12 years old. I, I told him the last time the Raiders went to the playoffs, and I don't count 2016 because Derek Hart was hurt, I was 12 years old. Kid, just enjoy it. And uh, Father Sunday, if you're listening, enjoy the win, and everybody else on Raider Nation, enjoy it. Thank you. Appreciate the call. Uh, breaking news for the Raiders at their facility. Max Crosby just received the Craig Long Award. I knew Craig very well when he was in PR and media before he passed away. That's a very important award uh, for the Raider organization, the 
Craig Long Award, the seventh annual, chosen by a select group of local media and facilitated by the Raiders Media Relations Department. The Craig Long Award is presented annually to the player who best exemplifies professionalism and collaboration with the media at large. This is a big deal. Craig was a great guy. Traveling on the road with him over the years, uh, early in my career and in his career, is a fantastic guy, very respected. He passed away in 2007 at the age of 36. He was a valuable member of the Raiders PR staff from 97 to 2004. And a native of Iowa, he fulfilled his childhood dream of working in the front office of his favorite team. Past winners of the Craig Long Award, Max now just gets it, Waller the last two years, Frosty Rucker, Jalen Richard, Donald Penn, Charles Woodson, and Antonio Smith. Uh, put a smile on my face to hear this because Max is a great guy and Craig was fantastic too. Uh, let's get out to Gangster Raider, who's up next. Appreciate you on a Victory Monday. Go ahead. Yeah, what's up, man? JT, I'm calling from Vegas. I'm still out here, man. You convinced me to come out here. I, I'm glad I came. I went to the um, Rockstar on um, Saturday night. I went over to the um, Blackout Party over at the Tropicana. I met Heidi. I met Clay. I met um, Demond. I met everybody. I met Hondo. I'm, I, I met everybody. I had a ball. You know what I'm saying? I even met Passionate Raider. Me and Passionate Raider hung out for a long time. You know what I'm saying? It was, I met Reggie, Reggie, Reggie Raider again. You know what I'm saying? I had a ball. You know what I'm saying? I was at the tailgate, too. But I, um, I got there kind of late. I said, I admit that you already went through. By the time I had got there, so I had missed you. You know what I'm saying? But I'm still out here. You know what I'm saying? I even went to the little um, the little, um, the little party they had at the end last night after the game. I met Freddie Belinda Call for a bunch of other Raiders. Wow. Man, this this is a dream come true, man. I had a ball, and we in the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, I'm glad you convinced me because I told you I was straddling the fence. But listening to you on Thursday – you know what I'm saying? You got me to drive out. I've been out here since Thursday. I might stay the whole week and stay till Saturday to the playoff game against the Bengals. You know what I'm saying? That's how that's how I laid it. I, I'm walking on cloud nine, JT, and we're in the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? We did it. You know what I'm saying? Vegas Raiders in the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? We did it. Gotcha. Red Nation stand up. I told you we do everything the hard way, so we did it. We here. You know what I'm saying? And let's go beat the Bengals. All right, my friend. Good to have you out here. Appreciate it. Sorry I missed you out there. I was bopping through. I got to get in there for the pregame show with the torch. And that was our last pregame show, unless we get a miracle playoff run and a couple breaks with the schedule. Good way to go out there. Eric Allen was wearing his all-Madden sweatshirt that he got from John Madden to pay tribute to him. I thought that was damn cool. Eric Allen wearing his all-Madden. Fred Bolitnikoff, Jim Plunkett, Marcel Reese, Vinny Bonsignor, Otis Sistrunk. You tell me a pregame show in the NFL that has that lineup. You can't. All here on the flagship, and thanks to Compass Media Networks. You know, we had conversations about it, the whole, you know, towards that end there, but if you remember, we ran the ball early. They didn't call a timeout, so we thought probably they're doing the same thing. So we thought if we could have a run in there that probably possibly could get us in field goal position to win it, we were going to do that, and that's what we did. That's exactly what they did. The Raiders were not playing for a tie. They would have taken the tie if they couldn't pick up the first down or run hard. They weren't going to give the ball back to the Chargers and risk losing the game. But 
Anybody watch Daniel Carlson this year? You don't think they wanted to get him in field goal range to win? We bring in Mark Anderson from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Big week. Mark, we got a playoff game, and looking back about a month or so ago, it didn't look that way. No, no. No, well, I mean, I was on your show a couple of weeks ago, and I and I admitted right then, like I I didn't think they really had a chance, <laughs> you know. Uh, the, the, I mean, just two weeks prior, I mean, a month ago, yeah, I thought they were, you know, I thought all the everything was going to turn to who's going to be the next head coach, and you know what's going to happen to the roster, what's Derek Carr's future. I mean, I I didn't think they were making the playoffs. I, it's remarkable what they've done, and got to give them all the credit, including Rich Rich Bisaccia. I wanted to start off with that with you, Mark, with Basaccia. There's always news about coaches, and, you know, I'm, I work for the team, so I'm not going to talk about Rich Basaccia's status, obviously. There's a playoff game, and he helped get the team to the playoffs, but there's a lot of coaching candidates who are getting interviewed now. Eric Bieniemy, you go around. Brian Flores was let go from Miami. That's a surprise. We knew Mike Zimmer. He's a good defensive coach along with Vic Fangio, maybe not great head coaches. So here we go again. The day after the regular season, a lot of coaches are getting let go, and it doesn't seem like there's a list of great candidates out there. Uh, well, I, you mentioned Flores. I think he's—I think he's got to be, if not number one on a lot of teams' list now, pretty mm. close to number one. I mean, I'm just stunned what the Dolphins did, but you know, maybe it's better for Brian Flores because they still don't want a quarterback in Miami, and maybe he can go someplace now with a quarterback. Um, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Jim Harbaugh? Those are kind of the two that stand out to me. You know, you obviously get the two coordinators in Tampa Bay who get a lot of attention. But, yeah, I mean, you could make a strong argument in Rich Passage's case. He did what he needed to do to keep the job. And, and and that might be exactly what Mark Davis decides to do in the end, that he thinks that that's it, there's no point in blowing this thing up. They've got everything in place right now, why, so why mess it up? So I could see that being the case. Or, you know, he may – but I do – you know, I think he should take – time after the season, whenever the season ends, to, to really think it through and not make a snap decision on it, because I think it's something that uh, um, that that you know you don't think you want to rush into. Mark Anderson joins us. So the identity of the team now: Carr Carr's their best player, but Josh Jacobs is playing well, running the football. Cold weather game on the road in Cincinnati. I, I don't know. It seems to me that they're going to try to run it and run it hard with Josh Jacobs because a he's playing well. But B, by moving the chains on the ground, you keep their quarterback, uh, Burrow, on the sidelines, Joe Burrow, and that could help them win the game and be in it late. It could, yeah. And, and it seems like Jacobs is getting better as games go on. Um, and so I, I think I think you know, they, they might find themselves in a situation in Cincinnati where he might struggle early like he did last night. But in the second half, he's money. Um, and so that, that it just may be just, you just need to kind of stick with it. But I, you know, Derek Carr, um, yeah, I know he had the reputation before about not playing well in cold weather. I think he's kind of shaken a lot of that reputation away now. Uh, he, he's performed much better this season in, in cold weather games. So I, I, I wouldn't exactly take the ball out of his hands either, uh, especially with Darren Waller now being back. Uh, you know, Zay Jones has really come on. Obviously, we all know what Hunter Renfro can do. So I, I wouldn't make it just really a, a running game. I would make it as balanced as you can. So because I think Derek Carr can still go up there and make some really big plays. Yeah, my, I agree with you. He's, he's just playing now as a clutch player, and I don't think the weather's going to have a big issue here. Mark Anderson, as we wrap it up. Mark, I want to spend a few moments talking about Brian Blessing, who passed away yesterday. And we've all had Brian on our shows and talked with him, and you've sat with him in the press box. 
just a really good guy, a hockey insider, but a guy who loved to talk all sports, would do remotes. I always loved the fact that he was always on the road with his son mixing a remote, which at times is a pain in the ass. You got to go into a loud casino. You got to do a radio show. You got to book guests, and he loved doing that. He loved the setup, the pride of doing a broadcast. He will be dearly missed. Yeah, it, I was uh, I was really saddened when I saw about his passing. Uh, he's just a super friendly guy, as you mentioned, as professional he gets. And and I I guess I didn't realize how big he he still remains in Buffalo, and just the outpouring from Buffalo to his passing. Uh, but yeah, he was. I mean, when that's the thing about him is if you just met him, you had you had no idea how big he was because he didn't come off that way. He came off. He, he was a he was an he was a very down to earth person, made everyone feel like really special. And, and I just, I didn't deal with him much, but the few times I did, I just, just uh, really thought the world of him. Absolutely. We got a big week, Mark. Thanks a lot. Looking for your coverage. Always appreciate your tweets and time on the radio with us. Thanks for having me on JT. You take care. You got it. Mark Anderson from the Las Vegas review journal. He's been here a long time. He knows the city and knows what it takes to win. So we're excited to have him on the show every other Monday. Hey, this week really lined up great for us because tomorrow's Tom Flores, Paul Gutierrez. You know, we got Bill Williamson. We got Vic Tafer. All of our guys line up. I put them in a uh, every two-week grid so we didn't have to bother them every week, and they're kind with their time with us. So this is a great week with coverage. Andy Furman back in Cincinnati covers the Bengals as good as anybody. He'll be booked. And we'll find some, usually it's a good week for me to reach out to Anthony Munoz, friend of the show, uh, try to get some Cincinnati perspective on the other side and uh, maybe bring in some legends again on the Raiders side. And I'm sure the Raiders are going to help us get a couple of guests here as we hype the game. Week's going to go fast because the week the, the week started late Sunday night into Monday. I think a lot of us, wink, wink, are trying to get our sea legs back after a late night last night. Great show today, then Rest of the week, and then the game's on Saturday. So we'll go from our Friday show into Saturday. Don't know exactly what we're doing here as a station, but I'm assuming we're going to do something big. All the shows in the lineup are happy. We're very fortunate to be on the radio here at a time where we can talk about great games. And then next Monday, a week from Monday, I'll be at Doghouse for another appearance for Monday Night Football for the playoffs. So Doghouse, I love it. Inside Resorts World, great place for entertainment and to have a good time. And I want to thank our partners at Modelo, an official cerveza of the Las Vegas Raiders. Brewed as a model of what good beer should be, Modelo Especial is a rich, full-flavored Pilsner. I drink it all the time. I had a tall boy last night in the backyard and a cigar, and I didn't hit the voice that hard today, which is a good thing. Good night's sleep after that. Big week ahead. My sister's coming into town from New York on a random trip, so I get a chance to see some family this week and the family of the Raider Nation. So a lot of people are exhausted, but that's a good exhaustion to have coming off a victory. Uh, When we come back, we're going to get to Rich Basaccia. He just spoke to the media. He's going to have an update on Darius Phylon, which is not good. You can hear it from the coach and some of his comments coming up here. So Rich Basaccia's presser just ended over in Henderson. We'll play it for you in its entirety because he deserves that. I'd rather hear from the head coach on the flagship station than me for a few moments, so we'll hear what he has to say. We're brought to you by Sam and Ash. Go to Sam and Ash Injury Law. SamandAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right.
you know, every time at the end of a game, if we need to get in field goal range, I trust them with everything. So I would always put my money on them. Uh, Derek always makes big-time throws in crucial moments, and Daniel is just – they paid him a lot for a reason. You know, he's a, he's a sniper out there, so I'm just – you know, so proud and, you know, happy for him. He's, he's always on point. Max Crosby, the ultimate teammate on the great performance, clutch performance by Derek Carr, Daniel Carlson, JT. Back with you on the flagship Raider Nation Radio. Big week of coverage lined up as the Raiders go to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals Saturday. Uh, pre and post game from M Resort Spawn Casino. A great opportunity for everybody to get together out at M. Get in there, make a reservation, make sure you're there. It should be very special. We're excited about it. Uh, we want to see everybody out there and get behind the team. And I'm sure the city, and there's going to be a lot of parties and events coming up. When we hear about them, we'll let you know about it. Raider Dave in Denver. Always good to hear from you, Dave. What do you got? Well, thanks a lot. And, man, Raider Nation Radio, hats off. What a great pregame, the pre-pregame, the postgame. And what a classic game. I don't know. This game, it, it deserves a name. You know, fourth and two in the red zone. Has there ever been a bigger representation of disrespect in the NFL? I've been watching the Raiders since I was five years old. I've never seen that. I'm 58. Anybody who's over 55 knows that the Raiders in their heyday went through these types of games over and over and over again. Look up in the history where Blanda came out five times through balls or kicked kicks to win in a season. If you total up all the overtime games, the Raiders played 19 weeks. I mean, they've got a whole more, one whole more game than everybody else with all the extra overtime that they've done. It's amazing. Did the Raiders want to tie? Are these people crazy? It was never just tie, baby. After that fourth and two, you're getting eliminated, boy blunder. No way we're going to get tied. I mean, sure, Casey is hot. But crazier things have happened in the NFL all over the decades that this has been around. Just look at all the classic Raider games with names. What would it take for the Raiders? Does Raider Nation even understand what it would take for the Raiders to actually play a divisional round at Allegiant? Do they understand that by being the five seed, there's actually a way for the Raiders to have an AFC championship in Allegiant mm -hmm. Stadium? It'll take Pittsburgh knocking off KC, but crazier things have happened. You don't think the Pats think they can beat the Bills? Of course they can. And if the Pats do that and the Raiders do that, they've got a home game for the divisional round. Dude, I am so excited for this. It's been if, if, if all this time. But Raider Nation has believed in this team, and more importantly, this team has believed in themselves. I have no idea why Renfro's not in the Pro Bowl. I have no idea why it's not a slam dunk that Versace is the next head coach for the Raiders or coach of the year. I just love this. It's 20 years. There's a whole bunch of families like mine where my dad's got brain cancer, and this will be the last Raiders game we watch together. It's going to be awesome, JT, and you keep knocking it out of the park, buddy. Thanks, buddy. I mean, I'm sorry to hear about your dad in that scenario. That's got to be tough. That's got to be tough, but you'll get a lot of peace knowing that you're watching a playoff game with him. There are a lot of stories like that over the decades of being with you know family members for the last time unexpected or expected, like you just said, and take advantage of all these special times you can be together with family watching the games. I can't tell you how important this is. My son's home from college at Oklahoma. He leaves Wednesday, and the fact that my wife and him are sitting in my seats, our seats, and I'm walking around having fun and having a great time with a lot of people. 
throughout the game there. Really love the seats where I'm at and walking around the stadium. And when I made the walk, real quick before we get to Coach Passaccia, what I have to do every game, sometime usually at the end of the third quarter or the fourth quarter, I head up to Brent Musburger and Lincoln Kennedy. I get in the elevator, press elevator, and I get up there, and I'll sit behind them, but then i got to look at my watch because they shut the elevators at the six-minute mark for the coaches, for the coaches after the game to get up and, you know, to get down. And so I'm looking at my watch, and that's when the Raiders were up by 15. And I headed over with my backpack and my laptop to go do the post-game show, and I get in the elevator, and the elevator goes down, and I get out, and I'm in the concourse. And that's when all chaos broke loose. And I was able to see those touchdowns. And I'm walking from the media elevator to the Modelo Club. You know, we're in the Twitch Club. We're in the Modelo Club for postgame. And I'm walking in the concourse, and there were Charger fans leaving. They were in the concourse waiting to get out early. You wouldn't want to be there if you were going to lose with five minutes to go with the Raider fans all over you. And then the comeback happened. I got into that Modelo Lounge, and I was watching the game from that side of the field, and I just couldn't believe how the Raiders were unraveling, unraveling. I said, I cannot believe what just happened in the last 10 minutes as I walked over from one side of the stadium to another. And then to get to overtime, I was sitting with Al King, our producer. I said, you believe this? They can't lose this way. And they didn't lose that way. Fortunately, they won. That would have been brutal. I, I've done some post-game shows for the Raiders after losses. This would have been multiplied by 100. I can't even imagine what it would have sounded like with all the fans because every fan stayed to the end. And I think the tie would have sucked. I really do. I think the tie would have been a disaster. I think people would have left the building really pissed off, even though the Raiders were in the playoffs. All right, Rich Passaccia just met the media at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Here's the head coach. Um, I'd like to start off with uh, just a couple notes about Max Crosby that um, – he was voted the um, Commitment to Excellence Award here by his teammates um, from the Raiders. And he's also been awarded the Craig Long Award, certainly by our, our local media, which I'm sure you're all familiar with. And then if I can remind everybody that, you know, Darren Wilder is our Man of the Year, Walter Pate Man of the Year candidate. And I know social media-wise, people can still vote for that. So we, we certainly love um, him to be the award winner this year for all the things that he's done um, within the community and certainly within our organization as well. Um, that being said, the one injury report I have is at this particular time, Darius Phylon um, has a significant injury to the knee. We're not 100% sure exactly what it is. He's going through the uh, evaluations today with the uh, multiple doctors, and we'll know exactly what it is here as we get into um, Wednesday, but certainly we won't have him, um, unfortunately, over the next uh, games that we play. And he was... Um, he was on a roll. He's playing really well over the last three or four weeks, and, and uh, we're excited about the progress he was making. Um, so it's unfortunate for, for us and, and for him. Uh, with that, I'll, I'll take any questions you may have. Hey, Coach, congratulations on the, uh, on the win. This is Chris Matthews over at Channel A. Just kind of a hypothetical for you. If it Recording was five, in progress. Five, six, seven years down the road, and, and you were out of the business already, and you were watching this team from afar, and you saw all that happened with the coach, the players, and and they put this uh, guy with a ton of experience in as an interim head coach. And, and and you're watching this team, and you see him lose five of six, but then you see him win four in a row and get to the playoffs. Would you be saying to yourself, man, this guy deserves more than just taking that interim tag off his name? <laughs> 
That's that a long-winning question. So um, I, I don't think six, seven, eight, nine, ten years from now I'm going to be watching much football. But uh, I certainly appreciate the question. Rich, when you took over, obviously winning's paramount in every game. But what are some of the other, I guess, intangibles, or what, what did you want to do for this team to kind of bring it together and calm it down? And what was obviously a trying time for everybody. You know, again, I've said it multiple times. I think we've, we've tried to develop a, a group of men that um, care about each other, know what to do, and compete with relentless effort. And um, that, that's, that's a hard team to beat. And, uh, and also, once they learn to respect each other's work, um, it's an enjoyable place to come to work and, and uh, to respond to whatever adversity or whatever prosperity may show up that day. It gives you an opportunity to forge your identity um, to the things in which you go through. So actions speak louder than words, and I think those guys have improved a little bit each day. Rich, with everything you guys have been through, especially the last four weeks and, and last night, just the push you made, do you need to guard – as a coach, do you need to guard against complacency, maybe set it, setting in, hey, we accomplished something or, you know, with the playoffs coming up? You have such a quick turnaround here. How, how do you guard against that? Well, again, I think we've we've had a one game, one practice, one play, one day mentality here for a long time now. Um, so I think they went through yesterday's um, victory and they they took care of it last night in the locker room. And and guys have come in today as if it was uh, it's actually their day off, and they've come in and kind of gotten their their lift out of the way. And some of them have turned the tape on and watched the tape. And we won't have any formal meetings. Um, I've had conversations with players coming through the building, and we're really, um, you know, we're on to, to what's next. We um, have a formal opponent in the Cincinnati Bengals. We have to leave on a Friday. It's a little bit of a short week. We're going to go up there and, and um, put our best foot forward, see if we can put a team on the field that our fans can be proud of. Hey, Rich, this is Tashawn Reed from The Athletic. Uh, obviously, you played the Bengals already this season. Uh, you know, obviously, you, you know, there's been changes on both sides since then, but how helpful is it having that context and having faced them to prepare for this game? Well, you know, anytime you get to play a team, but, you know, we've, we've said before, we're going to play them with a different team we played them with before, and they're probably going to play us with different players than, than we played them with the first time. And, you know, we had the two turnovers in the fourth quarter, and, and they have a formidable run game, you know, and mixing and what they're doing. I think they just had the rookie of the year and the receiver, who's a tremendous player. They had great chemistry with Burrow, um, you know, over there on offense. And, and uh, you know, we had trouble stopping him. I think he had 120, mixing 123 yards running the ball against us last time. And I talked about the turnover. So, again, we're going to um, investigate what we did well here over the last month and, and look at the things we need to correct. And we'll look at their tape and what they've done well and uh, hopefully some things we might be able to exploit and, and uh, be in position to go play a good game on on Saturday. Rich, this is Hondo Carpenter. Just quickly, sir, when you watch this game tape, were there some things that stood out to you in a positive way that from your view on field level, watching the game live, you couldn't see? I think I'd be ready for that question by now, Hondo. You ask it all the time. Um, again, I, I'd like to, to compliment our, our, our defensive front and, um, and the relentless effort in which they played with. And then, uh, you know, certainly we had some good opportunities uh, late. We had big runs by Josh, um, so the line matched up a little bit as the game went on and, and uh, did a good job of covering the guys up and gave Josh a little bit of a trust factor to, to make some of those big runs. And then certainly what you see on tape is the same thing you see ground level from, you know, Daniel Carlson and his ability to, 
to go out there and when he gets an opportunity to play well, he, he does it time in and time again. So that would kind of be it for today. Hey, Rich. Uh, last night we heard some of the players go out of their way to say how much uh, winning this game meant to them just for you, how much they enjoy playing for you. I, I know you don't like getting into that beyond the team, but I got to think in some ways that's uh, kind of an illustration of the way you've put the relationships first and what you've said about playing for each other. So just with all that being said, how does that make you feel? Well, again, I think we've gone way back. You know, I think our entire coaching staff deserves credit for that. I think we're a relationship-building um, group of coaches. We uh, we try to um, coach the man first and coach the player second, and I think they feel that, and I think they're a part of that as well. They, they make it easy for us to come to work and do that. So it was certainly a satisfying victory for everyone organizationally, from you know owner Mark to um, to everyone in the building, and uh, to have the opportunity to get into the the playoffs and, and the way in which you did it against a, a division opponent, and, and to beat our our place, our venue to do that in front of a blackout crowd and, and loud and excited um, Raider Nation fan base. So all the way around, I, I I I'm excited about what we did, but certainly we'd like to think we have more ahead of us. Coach, just kind of specifically following up on that, a lot of the players posted uh, videos from the locker room of just the celebration and how happy they were. And it was such a, a jubilant scene. Like, what was it like to be a part of that? And uh, a lot of guys were singing and dancing. Did you? Did they get you involved? Were you? Uh, were you part of that at all? Did, did you? Did you participate? I don't know. Was it on video? Was was I sing, dancing on video? So no. they say, right? Film speaks loud. But um, again, they earned that, you know, they earned the right to enjoy themselves after that game and, and um, celebrate in, in, in the fashion that was um, they saw fit. You know, they're into the, the modern music and, and those things. And um, it was fun to watch them. It was fun to watch the emotions um, of what they've gone through. And but again, I think they've they've flipped the page and they've turned the corner and they've come back to work today and they've dug in um, to what they have to do in order to improve as the week goes on. And and um, I think that's what we're all been doing. Coach, this is a kind of a remix of a Hondo's question, but was there a play from yesterday's game that kind of might have been overlooked or maybe, you know, not foreseen by the by the usual viewer that you feel won the game or really turned the momentum? You know, I I don't know if there's any one specific play, you know, that, that you lean on. Um, I don't really think I, I saw it that way. All right. Let's be, let me jump in there again. The coach sees everything. He's, he's being asked about a play that he might have seen or not seen. Incredible. Uh, he's the head coach. He's seen everything. He sees everything. He's the head coach of the football team. This is the NFL, everybody, not Pop Warner. 702-365-9200. Great job by Rich Passaccia. Tremendous. Honor to sit down with him every Thursday and air that on the Silver and Black Show. And he's done a nice job. It's always about the players. It's about the coach. That was the way when he was an assistant head coach. He just loves to give credit to other people, which is unique when you have to interview him every week because he's not going to sit there and tell you how great he is. He's not going to sit there and tell you this and that and all of that. He enjoys it. He's very focused. He's very detailed. The lesson that I've gotten with him this year is that he's on to the next meeting. He's on to the next practice. He'll do interviews. He's done a nice job at the press conferences there, coming on TV with me. But it's really concise. It's short. He wants to go back to work. He's got a job to do. He wants to get back in his office, get back with the trainers, talk to the players, and I like that. And it's worked well this year. 
And when people do great things, you have to congratulate them and tip your cap to them. And I do that to Rich Passaccia. It was a good decision to make him the head coach. That's why he was the assistant head coach. They thought that he had the respect of the locker room and the players, like Rod Marinelli does and Gus Bradley and Greg Olson and everybody there. The coaching staff has done a really good job. There's been a lot of pressure on this coaching staff to win after all the adversity, and they did. And they all deserve to be commended for that. And also Mark Davis, the owner of the team, and Mrs. Davis on this year. And they've been through a lot this year, especially Mark. At the owners' meetings, the issues with the emails being leaked, what he had to deal with, the Henry Ruggs tragedy that killed Tina Tintor, all of that weighed heavy on the owner. And the owner had to navigate to get to this point in the season. He deserves a lot of credit. But you, the Raider Nation, deserve the most credit for sticking around and being there and standing behind the team. It's a show I won't forget anytime soon. Big week ahead. Thanks to all of our partners who are partners with us because they have the passion for the Raiders too. Great lineup here. Q and Davini. Have a great day, everybody.